0: This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. That God has a promised land for you. There's a defined place for you where you're in His will, where you are blessed, where you are in His presence, where you're right where you're supposed to be. And I want every one of you to enter that place. And the Bible makes it very clear that the story of God's people and their journey is a parallel to Our lives. And so today, talking about water's edge, we're going to look at how God's people crossed from the wilderness through the Jordan River into that place God has for them. And you'll enjoy this story, starting in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark and do not go near it. Now verse 5 is such a neat verse. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I just want to comment on that verse because we're not going to address that verse in today's teaching. But for those of you uh, who are, are younger leaders, will you just claim this verse for your life? Consecrate yourself. Mean, meaning this, separate yourself. Be holy. Get alone with God. Get rid of sin. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And for all of us, that applies. When we get holy before the Lord and present ourselves to Him, it prepares us for something great. Going on to verse 6. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Moses. Tell the priests who carry the ark of the covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites. And then he goes on and lists the specific tribes that make up the uh, the, the people of Canaan. Verse 11. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan Ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. I want to note there that Joshua began to operate as a prophet of God right there. And he said, Now listen to what God's about to do. And he said, This is what's going to happen. When you obey God, this is what's going to happen. I just want to say this is that when a man of God or a woman of God stands up and declares the word of the Lord, they say, this is what's going to happen if you obey God. Simply and true. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up into a heap at a great distance away. And he goes ahead and explains the geographical location of that. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. 17. The priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Thanks for letting me read that passage. And let's pray together. Father, I ask that this would be a momentum changing message. That it would change the momentum of people's lives. That, Lord, it would put in people a great desire to cross over into your will. To cross over into your purpose. To not be satisfied with 99% accomplishment. But, Lord, to have a holy resolve to go on into the waters, to cross over into that defined place, that promised land you have for them. Lord, we believe you are going to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you, uh, some of you who follow uh, Beth on Twitter and Facebook, you know everything about our lives. In December, we were able to go to Disney World. And what a great trip that was! It took a lot of planning and preparation and time. We we had to identify vacation days. We had to uh, make sure the kids were released from school, and and we drove. So we secured a vehicle. We drove seven hundred and something miles, which, in case you're wondering, takes thirteen hours, and with children, takes you know fifteen to eighteen. Uh, we found our hotel and checked in and unpacked the van and settled in and and then on uh, with all that work our first day was going to be a half day and so with all that work and all that preparation and the hundreds of dollars that we spent on Magic Kingdom tickets I had a very regimented schedule because if we had a half day we were going to take advantage of this half day so I was timing out when the kids were going to eat when they were going to wake up when they could go to the restroom when they couldn't go to the restroom. Because we were going to maximize our time and get there as soon as possible. We pay for parking, we park, we get in the tram, and because Disney World is for kids, we went to the Peter Pan ride. And the Peter Pan ride had a sign that said, wait 50 minutes, 5 50 minutes. And I said, because Disney World's all about kids. There is no way I'm standing in line 50 minutes for Peter Pan. I had driven 13 hours and invested all this money, had been on this tight schedule, but when the Peter Pan ride took over 45 minutes, there was no way I'm going to wait in line. You know, sometimes our lives feel a little bit that way. We're very, very close to God's best. And to cross over the promised land. And then God says, you need to wait just a little bit longer. Look there in, in verse, verse 1. Excuse me, uh, verse, verse 2. After three days, the officer went throughout the camp. So the people of God had been, they, they had been in captive all those years. And they come right up to the Jordan, right up to where they can cross over. And God says, you need to wait three days. What a disappointment. And some of you, you, you may feel that way too. That God has been preparing you your whole life for something new and fresh and a promised land. But he's just saying, just wait just a little bit longer. I don't know if you've ever been to Tijuana, Mexico. Tijuana is on the other side of the Mexican-American border of San Diego. And there's, there's one and a half million people there. And every year, 400,000 people cross that border back and forth. I've been there, and on that border, it's just amazing the amount of poverty and crime and drugs and hopelessness. And taking politics aside and, and border issue aside, I just wonder how many of those people with aspirations to enter America, and we, could, we can assume it's their promised land, Get to Tijuana, and they're so close. You can see San Diego or California from Tijuana, but they're so close, but they just kind of settle in. And they, they become part of this, this crime-ridden life, and this very, very devastating life. And there's this feeling I wonder if some of them get, where they, they have this sense of accomplishment because they got pretty close all the way, all the way to the border. They can see the promised land. They can see where they want to go, but actually going through the process to get over. No, they're just going to kind of settle in. They're just going to kind of settle in and get comfortable and position themselves where they could cross over, but they don't. You know, there's a couple of things that that I think God wants to speak to you today regarding you entering your promised land. And here's the first thing I want you to write down is this is God saying to us, change your position. If you're taking notes, the back of the bulletin might help you organize this. Change your position. Look at verse 3. Your bulletin might say verse 4, but you can change it to verse 3. It says this, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. I wonder how many times that We get so close to what God wants us to do, and He says, wait three days. And we just kind of get comfortable. Because we've come so far. We've made such progress. We're so close to His ideal in our lives. But the risk to cross over, the risk to make that change, well, we can easily justify, I know I could do it, but I'm just not going to take the risk and actually do it. But God said through his prophet, get ready to change position. It's easy sometimes to settle in. And it's very difficult to know when we should settle in and when we should move. Now, this is an issue in my home because having three small children, sometimes we'll go to the house and it'll be a transitional time, uh, we pick the kids up from school. There's a short amount of time before we leave until our next appointment. And the big issue in our house is, is, I will tell them, do not take off your shoes and socks. I don't know what it is about kids. As soon as they enter their house, they shed those shoes and socks as quick as they can. And there is a, a, a sock spirit that hides children's socks I don't know how many times it's been that we've stopped for a short transitional time, and it's time to go, and we can't find socks, we can't find shoes. So that is a rule in my house: keep it on. Now, yesterday, this 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 happened. This was demonstrated very vividly because the women's conference ended early. I needed to come up and, and help a little bit with clean up and all that type of stuff, and so Beth called me, said we we finish an hour early. I had one kid on the computer, one kid in the middle of a video game, had another kid that was taking a nap. And what did dad say? Dad said, let's go. You would have thought that I told those kids I was kicking them out of their home forever. You would have thought that I was making them be homeless. I mean, the resistance and the attitude they had because we simply needed to drive to the church. They had just kind of settled in, shoes off in their entertainment, all that type of stuff. And I thought about that yesterday because that's kind of how we feel sometimes with God's will. We just kind of get settled in. And when God says, it's time to change your position, it's time to move, we're like, why, God? I'm comfortable now. I'm settled in. I've come so far, Lord. I'm out of bondage. I'm out of the wilderness why in the world would you position me to move now? But God's saying, change your position. The church I grew up in was a great church, and it, it had a sanctuary that held like four to 5,000 people. The church wasn't quite that big, but it was, it was well over 2,000, and we just had this really nice, nice big sanctuary. Well, once, one summer, uh, they announced that they were going to do a special revival And the special revival, healing revival, was going to take place in a tent outside in Texas. And for some reason, the older people in our church were very excited about this. But I'm looking at this field where they're putting up a tent, and I'm looking at this nice multi-million dollar sanctuary, and there's just this this question that kept coming up in my mind. Why? Why in the world would we want to be in a tent well, it ends up, as we heard more of the story, Oral Roberts had, in the 1950s, on that very property, had a healing revival in this tent. In, in not that same tent, but on the same piece of property. So there was some nostalgia, uh, and, and people wanted to see something like that happen again. So as time has gone on, and as I have studied, I've studied quite a bit the Pentecostal charismatic tradition that I'm from, that... One of the things that I've learned that after World War II in the 1940s, uh, full gospel churches begin to interact with each other for the first time. When they begin to interact with each other, they begin to have multi-church healing crusades. When they had these healing crusades, most of the civic groups wouldn't let them meet in the public places. So where did they meet? They met in tents, large tents. Do you know why they met in large tents? They didn't meet in large tents because it was more spiritual. They didn't meet in large tents because God said in His Word, I will heal people when you put up a tent in the field. The reason they met in tents was because none of them at that time had churches big enough to house all the people. It was just a simple, practical reason. And here it was. That happened in the healing revival of the 1950s, a revival that lasted about seven years. 30 years later, our church had this huge, comfortable, wonderful building, but people wanted to meet in the tent. Why do they want to meet in the tent? It's because they were used to that. Now, something very important happens here. I want you to hold that story in your heart. Look at, look at verse three. Verse three says this, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God. Now, this was a Great change in how people followed God, because up to that time in the wilderness, they would follow God either by a pillar of cloud in the day or by fire at night. And here there was a great difference. God, The the man of God said this, when you see not the pillar of cloud and not the fire by night, but when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, I want you to write this down. This is what the Lord's telling you today. is to follow His presence. Follow His presence. Write that down. And I want to say this, and you can even write this in your notes. Follow His presence, not the form. We follow the presence, not the form. You see, what God did in the 1950s was a wonderful thing. But it had nothing to do with tents. That's just the form. It had everything to do with His healing presence touching His people. And His healing presence can touch people in the tent, and He can touch people in the church, and He can touch people in your break room, and He can touch people wherever the presence of God is. And up until this point, they said, follow the ark of the Lord. Don't look for the cloud anymore. Don't look for the fire. But when the ark comes, I want you to follow His presence. Follow His presence. Twenty years ago, that's when God called me to be a pastor. And I have papers and notes and of what I imagine our church, the church I would pastor, would be like. And do you know that the church I pastor now, and I, I I believe, I know that I'm in the will of God right here, does not look like what I imagined 20 years ago. But 20 years ago, 20 years ago, all I knew was the pillar of cloud. And all I knew was the fire by night. But things have changed. And people have changed. And culture has changed. But it's God's presence that never changes. And He's revealing Himself right now in ways we've never seen. And one of the ways He's revealing is He's moving across denominational lines. And and can I tell you the old argument that this denomination has the Holy Spirit and this one doesn't? That is... That is a form that's over now. The Holy Spirit is moving in Baptist churches, in Methodist churches, and it's His Spirit that's moving. And it's not about one particular manifestation. It's about His presence. And the presence of God is breathing fresh all across different types of churches in America. And I'm just going to challenge you. Don't look for the form of His presence, but look for who He is. And it might look a little different than it used to look it might manifest a little different than it used to look, but you follow his presence. And then Joshua verse chapter three, verse six. This is part of following the presence of God. It says Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. I love that phrase. Take the presence of God and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them, I want you to know that as you are looking for the promised land God has for you, as you are following God's will and that purpose for Him, it's not a question of whether or not God will go with you. It's this. He has gone before you. The presence of the Lord goes before you. The presence of the Lord leads you into that place. A lot of times we want God to follow us. And we would say, God, I am going to go into this new place and I hope you come along with me. But it's the opposite. You follow the Lord and you follow His presence and it will take you to the place you need to be. There's such confusion about the will of God. But can I just tell you, the primary way that you can be in the will of God is to spend time in His presence every day. It's just that simple. If you read your Bible on a regular basis... And if you just sit in His presence, you know that's what a lot of my prayer life is. A lot of my prayer life isn't real verbal. Just for me, I just sit in His presence and I think of the Lord. And I just listen to Him. And that happens in my car, it happens in my office. It often happens early in the morning, you know, when the alarm clock goes off. And just kind of that transitional period. I just, I just say, Lord, I just lay here in Your presence right now. And if you stay in the presence of God, you'll be in the will of God. Don't, don't think you're gonna be confused because His presence goes before you. And here in this, in this story, Joshua told the people, when you see the ark, when you see the presence, change your position and follow the presence because the presence of God is going before you. And the presence of God is that which is going to lead the way for you. Now, it is March right now. And it's very cold, but I want to remind you of something that swimming season is about to start. I don't know what kind of emotion that produced for you. Excitement, panic, worry. But before you know it, swim season is going to start again. And, And there's a couple of ways you can enter into a pool. Now, me, I've had a tradition that I've done all my life. There's just a simple way I enter the pool. I go to the deep end and... I don't test the water. I just kind of step back three or four steps and jump off and scream and just dive in. And it's very uncomfortable when you hit the water. I come up and within 15 seconds, I'm good. My body's regulated. But there's another method. And we're just going to call that the toe method. I'm not going to name any names in here. I'm not going to point out anybody. But there's certain somebody that... That I won't tell you who she is. She is sitting on the front row, but but she uh, she goes through the toe method. And and when the pool the pool season starts, it just takes about ten minutes for her to do this, and it's a long long process. But she puts one toe in the water, and once she puts that one toe in the water, it comes out real fast. And then she gets really brave about twenty minutes later, and two toes are in the water. And, and I don't know if, if uh, people who do this, and this might be you, are different from the rest of us, but somehow your toes regulate your whole body. I don't know if you're, you're waiting for that to happen. And then the next foot. And the next foot. And then it kind of becomes this fun spectacle. Because I'm in the water and, and I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm ready for summer. We're ready to go. And the next foot goes down. The next foot. And it's like, and then here's the big step. The dip, the great dip, and he goes ooh, ooh, like this. And it's just really, really fun and amusing to watch. And I just don't recommend that. I mean, I, I'm all about jumping in, you know, just jumping in and getting it done. But in this passage, God gives his people the toe method, the step in method. And here's what I believe he's asking some of us to do today. And I want you to write this last thing down is to Step in. Just step in. He didn't say jump in. He didn't say dive in. He didn't ask you to do a bonsai into the deep end. He just says, would you just step in? I've asked you to move from your position. I've asked you to follow my presence. Would you just now step in? Would you, would you finish what I've called you to do? Would you just complete it? Joshua chapter 3, verse 8. He said, tell the priest who carried the Ark of the covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Going down to verse 15 of Joshua 3, it tells us what actually happened. It says, now the Jordan is at flood stage. And that's really important because uh, critical biblical people have come up with different excuses of how they could have crossed. But this was during harvest, springtime. When the Jordan overflowed its banks, it was at its highest, highest point. God makes it very obvious this was a miraculous event. It says, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water, they just, they just put the toe in, look what happens. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away. You know, that lets me know that God was already anticipating the miracle before the first step. That's what he does in our life. He, he stopped the flow of the river upstream because he knew there was going to be a step of faith. And he goes on and he says, um, while all, excuse me, back in 16, the water from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. It goes on and it gives that geography. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Verse 17, the priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Do you understand that this particular crossing happened at the worst possible time? Can I just I want to challenge you this, challenge you in this? I want Penny to make her way up here. Is that sometimes when you cross over and you go to the water's edge, it's going to seem like the worst possible time for you. It's going to seem like God's timing is off. It's going to feel like God. Why aren't you having us cross when it's not springtime, when the floods aren't here? But can I just remind you this morning that sometimes the worst possible time for you could be the best possible time for God. It's a time when God is ready to show His hand, to show the miraculous. It's the time when God wants to show you His power. See, God is calling some of you to step into the unknown, to step into the impossible. To step into the very obstacle that is keeping you from His perfect will. And He's saying, just step in. Just put your foot in the water. Can I remind you that when you do that, you're not stepping in with the presence of God. You're stepping into the presence of God. He's already in the river. He is, go- he is already there. Already there waiting for you. And He is going to give you the strength and the power to cross over. Can I just remind you this morning, God has prepared a defined place for you. There's a promised land for you. There's a place of blessing. He's gone before you to prepare it, to prepare you for the miracle. And this morning, He's waiting for you to step in. Put your foot into the water because His presence is waiting for you. We're going to take communion this morning. And I know that recently in our 242 groups... Last The last group I was at, we talked about the meaning of communion. And I want you to know this is a very meaningful time. This is a time of focus. I'm so excited because in a few minutes, every single one of us who chooses to participate in communion is going to be right with God. In just about ten minutes, every single person in this room is going to leave this place completely whole, completely pure. I can promise you that. Not because of my preaching or... or Tenny's worship or the organization of his church, that means nothing. It's because of the blood of Jesus that was shed. His power is shed. And he wants you to be clean and pure. He wants you to cross over into that place he has. The elements are going to come your way. I want you to take the bread. I want to take. I want you to take the cup. I want you to reflect on your life, the sin, the challenges, the obstacles. And I'm going to come pray with you before we take communion. And we're going to enter in to that place God has for us. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.